Uh, this morning, I want to talk to you about being soul sick, soul sick, and what does it mean to be troubled in spirit? You know, we're in a, a worldwide year two, 2020.1, then we're going to be 2020.2, a worldwide pandemic that will go down in the history books, uh, and there's a lot of sickness going around, and and sometimes you don't have to have the, the COVID-19 virus if you just have a sneeze or a sniffle or whatever. You know, it's like, oh my gosh, you know, there's somebody in here who just sneezed in this room. Everybody vacate the building. Uh, but do you know that while we're dealing with all kinds of sickness, you know that your soul can actually get sick? Your soul can actually get sick. What do I mean by that? There is an overwhelming soul sickness, I believe, in the world today in millions of people. Uh, might, you might say it's been brought on by the things that we've been going through in this world. I think uh, we, today, uh, I'm not in a health care, but I'm in a soul care business. And I see all across the world today, not only the pandemic of what, in the physical that we're going through, but also in the spiritual. I see people who are, many people are anxious and fatigued and fearful and they're worn out by everything that we've been seeing and hearing for the last two years uh, around the world. And, and on top of that, we still have people that are going through cancer. And on top of everything we have going on in the world today, we still have people going through cancer. We still have people that have na uh, personal tragedies, family tragedies, accidents. Maybe there's addiction still going through your family. We're already, uh, uh, you're already going through something hard as a family, but now there's this. There's this national worldwide thing going on. And how do we navigate this? We've had people lose loved ones. Uh, and all in all, just people's hearts, you might say, are troubled. Troubled. Whether it be a worldwide pandemic, national division, fear and distrust, not, not to mention a fast-paced, media-centered world based on identity and image. So many of us today are fighting anxiety. We're fighting depression at record levels. And the older I'm getting, I'm not very old, but the older I get, it feels like the world is a little bit more troubled each year. How many would agree to that? Every year, it seems like the world just has a little bit more trouble, a little bit more anxious, a little bit more fear. I grew up, uh, I was thinking about this the other day. How many of you grew up thinking that tomorrow would be a better day? than today. You grew up in, a, in an environment in your home where you had a hope for tomorrow, where you thought, you know what, there's potential for my kids to grow up and have a great life, or that tomorrow's going to be a good day, and there's, a, there's hope for a better tomorrow. And if you would poll the world today, most of our kids, most of the people would think the opposite, that there's so much trouble, so much fear, so much anxiety they not only are we dealing with physical worldwide issues, physical issues, personal issues, now it is so many physical personal issues that it's affected corporately, I believe, our soul health. Let me give you some stats, just for instance. Just last year, 300,000 people in the United States visited the emergency room for self-harm, for attempted suicide or cutting themselves or harming themselves. 300,000, 300,000 people. 47,000 people last year died of suicide, Suicide is now the 10th leading cause of death in the United States. The 10th leading cause of death in the United States is taking your own life. And last year, with even despite the national uh, issues we were facing, 93,000 people, almost 100,000 people died of drug overdose. Looking for an escape from this world, 93,000 people used drugs as the avenue of giving their escape and went too far. 93,000. And you might say, well, that's not very many. You know, 
that's troubling too, that we've gotten so used to thinking, well, that's not very many people. That's just one whole city the size of Monroe, Louisiana, that dies every year, the drugs. I mean, we, we, we look at this, it's, we're so normalized to soul sickness, so normalized to think. I was uh, counseling a, a young person this week, and, and unrelated to what I was talking to them about, they made this statement. This, a middle schooler made this statement to me this week, uh, and she said, uh, you know, Pastor, he, there are so many people, she's talking about the schools, so many people going around hurting and broken, and nobody knows. My immediate thought is why should a sixth grader be telling me something that deep? Why should it be that students in our middle schools, in our junior highs, are walking around so hurt, so broken, why should that ever be an issue? Why should we ever have, at sixth grade years old, six, in sixth grade and 10 years old, 11 years old, nine years old, I wasn't, I wasn't thinking about anything related to the things that these kids are facing today and, and that we're in a place where our kids are walking around soul sick. Have you been asking questions like this? Why did this happen? What is going to happen now? What's true? How am I going to get through this? Lord, help me. How am I going to get through this? Where's God? And how am I going to make it? We can lose, with so much fear in the world, we can lose our joy, our love. We can fail to function. Fear can paralyze you. When trouble uh, strikes, you can get so overwhelmed with what's going on in your life that you can grow weary and lose heart. So look in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3. Read this with me. Hebrews 12, verse 3, New American Standard says this, For consider... Him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that, here it is, somebody say you, so that you will not grow weary, somebody say weary, and lose heart. So that you will not grow weary and lose heart. This is going to be the premise of our whole talk today, and I'm going to give you three things to think about. So that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And if you break this verse down, that first word there, you, in the Greek that is the word psyche, for you, psyche. And that really is the same word for soul. It says, so that the you, the inner you, the soul, the soul in the Greek is that inner person, the person that feels, that person that is you. Like if I take your body away, you're, you're still you. Like you're more than just, just flesh and tissue. There's a person on the inside of you. That's your soul. That's your psyche. That's the, the mind, sometimes we say, or the heart of a person. It's the inner you. And it says, so that you, your soul, the inner you, will not grow weary. And that word weary right there is the, it means fatigued, but it also means illness or sickness. And you ever heard someone say, I'm just so sick and tired? Where's that phrase come from? I don't know, but so sick and tired. And that's what that means. So that your soul will not grow sick and tired of everything going on around it. And eventually it gets to the point, if you're so sick and tired of life and what you're going through, it can get to a point where you will, the last word is, lose heart. Lose heart is that part where you get so extremely weary and discouraged that you give out. Anybody ever been walking uh, sometime when your knees just randomly get, what is it about old age? I'm, I'm in my 30s and you're just walking, oh my gosh, what happened? You just give out or you've been working so hard that you pass out or you're fainting and that's what it means. And he says, I want you to do something. 
I know that you're going through something, a test and a trial right now, but if you don't be careful, if you don't watch it, the soul inside of you, the inner person inside of you can get so sick and tired of what you're going through that you will give out. That's what he's saying. But what's the solution? He says, consider him. Consider him. Soul sickness is when the pain of life has become so real that you get so low and downcast and dejected that you're just dispirited, your heart's sick. Somebody might say to you, I just feel dead on the inside. I'm numb. I don't even know. I don't even care anymore. I don't even want I to, don't, I don't care to go to church. I don't really care to pray. I don't even want to go have fun with my friends. I just want to be in my, my own little house and, and just escape from the world and watch TV. And, and that's all I got the motivation for right now. How many people, don't raise your hands, have been secretly saying that to yourself in the last year and a half? I don't know. I'm just, I'm just tired of it all. I'm just, I don't even care. We call it apathetic right now. I'm just done. I'm sick and tired. I'm sick and tired of this virus. I'm sick and tired of what the world's going through. I'm sick and tired of what my family's going through. I'm sick and tired of my work. I'm sick and tired of everything. And if you get so sick and tired of everything to a point, your soul is going to give out. What we need in times like these is something that's going to shake us loose, something that's going to excite you, something that's going to energize you, something that's going to make your soul come alive again. Let's look at this. What's going to make your soul come alive again, he says, consider him. And there's this one statement I want us to get before we leave today, and that's this. As a believer, you may have many troubles, but you don't have to be troubled. As a believer, you and I are going to have many troubles with an S. We are going to have many troubles, but you and I don't have to be troubled. You don't have to be troubled in your many troubles. We have many troubles, but as a believer, we aren't troubled. Somebody say amen. amen. We may have many troubles, but we are not troubled. Many troubles. You ever had the wind knocked out of you before? Some of you guys are in football and sports. Coach Greg, you ever had the wind knocked out of you before? Just something comes and pumps it out of you. And it's like, oh, I, can't, I can't breathe. Hold on, let me catch my breath. Ah. And you take a moment, you think you're going to die. You know, sometimes that can happen in life. Sometimes something can come into your life so devastating, whether it be losing a loved one or going through a tragedy or finding out you, you just got diagnosed with cancer or just finding out today that this is the last day of your job and you didn't go in today knowing it. And it's just like the wind just got knocked out of you. You know, that happened to David one time. Look in Psalms 34, verse 15. You can feel the wind knocked out of you emotionally. Psalms 34, verse 15 says, The eyes of the Lord are towards the righteous. His ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against evildoers to cut off the memory of them from the earth. Here it goes. The righteous cry, and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their, what? Troubles. Troubles. There it is. Troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. Look at this. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. I wish that, don't you wish that verse wasn't in the Bible? Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all of his bones. Not one is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked. And all those who hate the righteous will be condemned. But the Lord redeems the soul of his servants. What is it? The what? Soul. He's got many troubles. But the Lord redeems his soul, and none of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. 
David recognizes one thing. Just because you're a Christian, just because you love the Lord, doesn't mean you get a pass on trouble. That He says, many are the afflictions, many are the troubles, and the broken heart. He says, there's trouble there. That word trouble, you know what it means? It means the emotional pain and distress of life. It means that, that anguish that sometimes happens as you just navigate. You're just a person. It's not your fault, but there's anguish that comes in your life. I'm anguished that my kid is not following the Lord, and I wish he would. I'm anguished that my marriage is not in the right place. Anguish. I'm, I'm disturbed to the depths of me. He says, then you're going to go through times in your life where you're brokenhearted. Brokenhearted is the literally in the Hebrew there, it means shattered, or we might say, my life is falling to pieces. My life is falling to pieces. I'm brokenhearted. Literally in the Hebrew, it means falling to pieces. You ever had a moment where you felt like you were falling to pieces? We're all human. We all have. I'm falling to pieces. Or he says, there's going to be moments where you're crushed in spirit. Crushed in spirit is that literally what I just said, the knocking the wind out of you. It means to be blown down or distressed and blow, take a blow to the mind, to knock the wind out of you. So you have trouble and broken heart and times where they're crushed spirits, where the wind just is taking, a spirit is wind, taking the wind out of you, crushed spirits. And he says, there's time when you even are afflicted, and afflicted is a word where evil has come into your life and just totally rocked your world. Or the devil's come against you, or a mean person has stepped into your life, a coworker who wants to just take you down and get you fired, or a family member who really has never liked you to begin with, that in-laws or something, I don't know. There's something that's happened where the devil has played a role. I don't know where you are today. You could, you could feel today that the wind has been knocked out of you, that your life is falling to pieces, that Satan has thrown everything possible against you. And David says, you know what, I know this. Many are the afflictions. Man, righteous people go through this stuff too. But here's what I also know on the other side of it, that I may have trouble, but I don't have to be troubled. I can have all kinds of troubles, but I don't have to be troubled. Why? Because for every situation that you and I could ever possibly go through that is negative or evil or dispiriting or crushing or falling to pieces in this life, David says, here's what I know, that each single one, he says, if you are uh, brokenhearted, he says, if you are afflicted, if you're crushed at times, God is going to be near you. He is going to deliver you. He is going to save you. He didn't say you wouldn't go through these times, but that every single time he'd be near you. He didn't say you wouldn't find affliction, but it said he would be right there with you going through it, that he would save you and redeem you. And the question is, for all of us, is it well with your soul? You know, the guy who wrote that, uh, his name was Horatio Spafford in 1876. That song was published. And before that, there was this great Chicago fire. And Horatio was a, a good Christian man. He even helped uh, D.L. Moody uh, and, and was a good Christian guy. But in 1871, the Chicago fire had basically wiped out his wealth. He had already lost his four-year-old son. And in an economic downturn in the 1870s, he sent his wife and his four daughters across uh, the Atlantic Ocean to England to go to this crusade, to be a part of this crusade with D.L. Moody. And along the way, the two ships collided. There was a ship and another ship. They collided and they sunk. And the four daughters died, and the wife was saved. And they didn't have telephones back then. And so when the wife got to England, she telegraphed back, and it said, saved alone. And he got that. He knew immediately what it meant. 
that I've just lost not only my youngest son years ago, but my job and my economy, my house, my business, and now I've just lost my four daughters, tragically, lost everything. And as he gets on his own boat to go across the ocean, as he passes the supposed place where his daughters went down, he penned the lyrics to that famous, famous Christian hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. Why? Why? How can you do that? For consider him. You see, you may have many troubles, but Jesus was our man of troubles. Consider him. Cons let me just help you consider him for a few minutes. You can, you know, sometimes we can boast in our trouble. You know, I've just been having it roughly. And we just mull over it and mull over it. And we talk to somebody and then we would tell them about our trouble. And we tell them about our trouble and we think about our trouble. And we, we almost kind of boast in our trouble that it's kind of a bragging right. And we don't mean to, but it just becomes something that you're so comfortable with. It's easier to put on your trouble than to put on the faith of the one who's been through that trouble before you. And he says, Jesus was a man of trouble. He says, consider, and that word consider means to analyze. The literal Greek word is, is to analyze him, to think on him, analyze him, investigate him, spend time looking at him, think about all the ins and outs and the ups and downs, and take a thorough examination. Consider him. Consider this guy. Look at this. Consider the man of troubles. Consider how Jesus, the Bible says, was despised and forsaken of man. It says he was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. He was despised, and in our grief, he himself bore our stuff on that cross. He, he bore our iniquities. He was acquainted with everything we would, would go through. Isaiah 53. Bible says in John 4 that he was wearied even in his physical body, that he thirsted, he got hungry. He, the God of heaven put on flesh and he felt pain and suffering. He got, he got tired dealing with people and as he's going through the desert, he was parched and he had to rest by a well in John chapter 4. That he was wearied even in this physical body like you and I are wearied in this physical body. Consider how the Bible says in Matthew that he was moved with compassion when he saw broken people, that he was moved. The Bible says that he was moved inside of himself when he saw people that were lost like a sheep without a shepherd. This, consider him. Analyze him. You're in, you're in trouble. You're afflicted. Your life's falling to pieces. The breath is, the winds got punched out of you. Consider him. He was wearied in a body. He was acquainted with your griefs. He put on your sorrows. He got tired. Consider how... In John 11, when he even knew he would raise Lazarus from the dead, the Bible says he was deeply moved in spirit and was troubled. He was troubled, and the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. He, was tr he willingly put on trouble. Consider how at the moment before his crucifixion, John 12 says that he said to his disciples, my soul has become troubled. And they'd go a little further in the garden, it would say, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Before Jesus ever died on the cross, he felt like he wanted to die. In a nation of suicide, an epidemic of depression, anxiety, and fear, sometimes we feel like we'd rather die. Jesus even felt that. Before he ever died on the cross, he felt like he wanted to die because he was so overwhelmed with the troubles of this life that you and I experience every day.
says that he being in agony, his sweat became like drops of blood. You ever been that troubled before? Not one of us yet. In the upper room, right before he was betrayed by Judas, it said he became troubled in spirit and he yelled out that someone was going to betray him. He's even been betrayed by one of his very own. There's not something that Jesus has not, that Psalmist David declared that the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. Many are the affliction of the righteous, but he delivers them out of them all. Jesus was the proof text for Psalm 34, that he came near when we was far off from God, that God demonstrated his love for us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ would come to earth and be near you in your brokenhearted. He would demonstrate on the cross that he would save you from that dispiritedness and that overwhelming grief that he would even on the cross have a grief moment with his mother and say, hey, John, behold your mother. John, behold your mom. That he would give over his life for us and bear our iniquity and know every single thing humanly possible that you and I could ever go through. Why? Because Matthew 11 had already said, he says, come to me, all you are weary, sick and tired, Every person who is sick and tired, who is heavy laden with the burden of this life, and you will find rest for your soul. Rest for the inner part of you, the soul. Consider him, you, if you are growing weary and if you are losing heart, consider him so you won't go through those things, so you won't give out. Consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself. Have we taken a moment to investigate Christ and say, you know what, I'm going through a horrible thing right now in my mind, in my soul. I'm overwhelmed with the the national fear and the epidemic. I'm overwhelmed with personal things in my health. My life is so busy. I wish things were different. I wish this would work out better. And he says, you could stay there all day, but the more you stay there all day, you're going to grow weary and your legs are going to fall out from underneath you. But if you start thinking about Jesus, if you make the conscious choice to think about a man of sorrows who is acquainted with our grief, who is lost, who is wearied for the lost sheep, who is hurting for the broken and then willingly went to that cross for you, man, I've got a God who's near to me. I've got a God who's proved his love for me. And I know if he's going to do all that, he's going to resurrect me on that last day. He's going to save my soul. You can have many troubles in this life, but you do not have to be troubled. You're going to have trouble. We are all going to have trouble, but it's a different thing when troubled is in here. You hear me this morning? It's a choice, and let me show you why. I'm gonna close with this. You can have many troubles, but it's different when you're troubled. And I think some of us are troubled. And God wants to get you out of that place. He may not save you out of your troubles, but he will save you from being troubled. We have to let our hope rest on where we are going to and not what we are going through. Let your hope rest on where you are going to and not what you're going through. The Bible says in the last days, everything that's going to be shaken is going to be shaken. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And Jesus says to his disciples before he leaves, he says, Do not let your heart be troubled. 
Believe in God, believe also in me. You know what that means? I was looking at that verse, do not let your heart be troubled, because I'm looking at these words in church. John, the apostle, uses Jesus, the word troubled, several times. And one of the last times he uses it is when Jesus is there, right before he's going to uh, tell them about the Holy Spirit. He says, man, I'm going to leave you, but do not let your heart be troubled. And I'm looking at that, and I was like, well, we always going to have troubles, but he says, do not let. What does that signify? There's got to be a permission there. I've got to open the door to this. There's got to be a choice here. He's telling me, what? I don't have to feel this way? I don't have to let all this stuff get on on top of me and take over my life and take over my thoughts? He says, let, do not make the conscious choice. Do not give permission to those situations to go from troubles to trouble. Do not let, do, you have a choice and I have a choice. And what is that choice? It is faith. Faith to look at Jesus Christ as the solution. I have a choice not to let my heart be troubled. Why? I have to, he says, believe. Believe. I'm the way, the truth, the life. Believe on me. He says, peace I leave with you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. See, you and I have this precious, precious faith that says, that because of Christ's act on the cross, because he came near to the brokenhearted and affliction was put on him, because he was troubled for my troubles, he became the troubled thing, and all my troubles got put on him, and he took my troubled spirit and take it on his spirit so that I don't have to be troubled even when I'm troubles, I go through troubles. He says, I want you to have peace with me. He says, I'm gonna give you this proof that the Holy Spirit is gonna be your seal of redemption and the comforter, the advocate's gonna come, and he's gonna make residence with you that even though you think I'm far away and I'm up in my father's house I will be near you I will never leave you nor forsake you and I'm making this ultimate demonstration right now that Psalms 34 is about to be fulfilled when I die on the cross I'm going to prove to you something that I am still the God that is near to the brokenhearted I'm still the God that saves those who are crushed in spirit I'm still the God that redeems the souls of the afflicted and I'm going to show you that and even when I've shown you and I go back to my father to prove that I can redeem your souls from the pit of hell, I'm going to give you my spirit. And I'm never, ever, 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 ever going to leave you. I'm going to, you're going to go through the darkest valleys. You're going to go through some of the worst nights. He even tells them, you're going to be put in courts and shackles. But don't worry, my spirit's going to be with you every single step. Paul and Silas, in the middle of that prison cell, you're going to be singing hallelujah. Because I'm still with you. I'm still a God who's near to you. And you and I have a choice. Listen to me. You have a choice. The world is fearful. It's suicidal. It's popping pills. It's anxious. People are taking their lives. People are hating each other. They're all troubled. I'm, not, I'm choosing. I'm not troubled. I have Jesus. I know where my help comes from. I'm considering him. The more I see the troubled spirits in this world, I'm thinking about him. I'm thinking about heaven. I'm thinking about how good my God is. I'm reminding myself of my holy, precious faith. I'm praying in the Holy Spirit. I'm saying, God, I know who my Redeemer is. I'm not going to be moved. And even this mountain melt like wax and go into the sea. I know that my God is still God. I know where I'm at. 
And maybe today you're shaken like this world is being shaken. He says, but our God is the consuming fire. Our God is the holy one. Our God is the one who is his breath makes those mountains melt like wax. He's the God who redeems our souls from the pit. And what is man that we are worried about? Man, if God is for us, who can be against us? Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord saves him every time. Amen. My hope is built on nothing less. Hebrews 10 says, it is our faith. Our faith will preserve our soul. You see, that's why he says, church, consider, analyze, investigate Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author, the perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame. Consider him, investigate him, get your eyes on him, fix your hope and your heart on him. You're going to have troubles. It's going to be bad out there. It's going to get darker and darker. But if you keep focusing on Jesus, and as those thoughts reminisce in your thoughts, and as your soul is about to get the breath punched out of you, and it feels like your knees are wobbling, he says, strengthen the knees for walking. Make straight the paths before you. Keep on running this race with endurance because Jesus is coming. He's never failed you one time. His promises are yes and amen, completed on the cross. There's nothing you're going to go through in this world that God didn't already know, and he's not going to be with you there every single step. I know it may feel like you're alone, and you're isolated, and there's no one who understands you, and you're walking like all of our middle schoolers who are walking broken, and they feel like they can't tell nobody. Man, God is with us. I may have troubles. But I make a choice to believe on Jesus so that my heart will not be troubled. Consider him so you will not grow weary and lose heart. Is it well with your soul? Is it well with your soul? How's your soul? How's the you doing? Are you right with God? Is everything okay on the inside? Are you troubled? Would you bow your heads with me and ask our team to come? Is it well with your soul?